I was kind of thinking of it in this way, that the amount of savings you have is the amount of time you can afford for it to not be successful before you have to go look for a job again. So it's pretty much like how, how confident are you that it's going to work? How bad would it be for you if it didn't work and you used up all your savings? For instance, if you have a mortgage, that's going to be a lot harder than if you're just renting or you have really low expenses because of your lifestyle or whatever. But basically it is how long do you want to give yourself an opportunity to see if it's going to work before you have to start looking for a job again. Hello and welcome to episode six of My Freelance Life, a brand new podcast from the team here at Millo. I'm Preston and with me on the air today, as always, is my friend Andy. Hello everyone. If you've listened to the show before, you know by now that Andy recently quit his job to start freelancing full time. And this show is a weekly check-in with Andy to see what really happens when you decide to ditch your day job. You'll find show notes for this episode at FreelanceLifePodcast.com slash six. That's just the number six. And this episode of My Freelance Life is brought to you by our friends at FreshBooks, the number one invoicing software for freelancers. You can try FreshBooks free for 30 days at FreshBooks.com slash Andy. In fact, FreshBooks has an all new proposals feature that makes sending proposals to potential clients a complete breeze. It'll take all the worry out of sending the right information, sending it professionally, making sure it gets delivered to your client, that they see it. If they have any comments, they can respond. It's a really fantastic tool. You ought to check it out at freshbooks.com Andy. And when they ask, how did you hear about us? Just type Andy. With that promo code, you can get 30 days completely free, unrestricted access to the proposals feature and all the new features in the completely revamped FreshBooks. Thank you to FreshBooks for supporting freelancers everywhere and for supporting this show. Okay, now back to the show here with Andy. Let's dive right in. Andy, you're a full-time freelancer now. You've been full-time freelancing for a few months now, for Mm -hmm. quite a while, and now all of a sudden you get sick because at the time of recording it's it's winter and um germs are flying and everyone's getting sick and but but you work for yourself and so there's no like oh just take a sick day and still collect your paycheck so how how do you how has like taking days off being sick been different as a freelancer versus uh working a day job that is a great question and i was thinking about that as i was as I was having these days where I wasn't working. And I think I, I got pretty lucky on a couple of things, or at least on one major thing. And that was that I didn't have a lot of projects up in the air at the time when I kind of decided I needed to start resting. And um, I had just finished up one that had been taking a lot of time and I had some more that were pending. And I was able to pretty much just kind of stop and there were some um there were some ways i definitely could have handled it better i think cuz some of the the pending projects or potential projects i didn't message till after the fact because they weren't live they weren't actual contracts they were still in like an interview process and i messaged them after the fact and said sorry i wasn't able to get back to you before i was sick you know all through last week and i'm just getting back to things now but I think if I, I think maybe my mindset around that was that these are just interviews. These are potential contracts. If I lose them, that's fine. You know, people get plenty of applications and if one of them drops out, it's not going to be the end of the world for them. So I just kind of 
didn't reply to some of those, it probably wouldn't have been that difficult while I was sick and resting to just hop on and message everyone that day. And it wasn't like there were a ton of them. But anyway, so I could have done that and let them know. I have a number of live contracts, but a lot of them are pretty dormant until someone pops up and is like, oh, hey, can you go fix this? Or hey, can you go fix this? And uh, I pretty much only had one live and fairly active project that was going on at the time that I got sick. And I kind of just took a break that from that for a while. Later, I, um, I sent them a message about it. And then I got a message a few days later in response and they said, hey, no worries, I've actually been out sick too. And so we kind of just rediscussed a new timeline for the project. So I think I got pretty lucky in terms of that. That's the gist of it in terms of how I approach taking a sick day. Yeah, and I think it can be really easy to um, stress yourself out as a freelancer. Or, you know, if you're if you're responsible for your paycheck in whatever way in terms of like not just getting a paycheck from an employer... I, I know I was sick uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, we were joking uh, off the air. I, I didn't get you sick for all the listeners, but uh, but I was sick a couple weeks ago, and and um, I I was like really feeling the pressure to get better fast. Like it wasn't like like I like I sort of was trying to force myself to be able to get back to work because my business at least in a full-time sense is still so young that like a couple days out and I just feel like I'm behind and like, I'm not going to make the money that I need to make this month in order to, to continue to, you know, build my business. And um, so I think it can, it's really interesting. Like I'm, I'm really glad it worked out well for you because it can be really easy. I think to feel the pressure of like, I can't get sick. I can't take time off. I can't, especially maybe in the early days where I, w- I would classify both of us still sort of in the early days um, where we've been doing this full time for less than a year. And it just can be a stressful thing yeah. to be sick or be out for any reason. You know, if, if a family member is sick or, or whatever, I'm really glad that it, it worked out better than that for you a little bit. You make me realize I didn't answer your question entirely because I, I guess I really only talked about how, um, how it worked out in terms of, I guess, just playing, being able to keep up with things or the logistics of the projects. But I didn't talk about how that affected pay. Cause that's, that's what you're saying. And, and that's true. That was part of it as well as I realized here I am going a week and I'm not going to get paid for any of this. So it's like, if you take a day off, as a freelancer, then you don't get paid. You don't, there's no like paid time off necessarily. And so, well, there isn't. And right. uh, that was definitely weighing on my mind, especially because I kind of took it easy around Thanksgiving. And then um, we have like the rest of like end of the year holidays coming up and families coming in town. And I know I'm going to be taking more days off. And I still have like this goal that my wife and I came up with as we looked at our budget and everything that I need to be billing approximately this much each week. And so every day I take off, I feel like that's one less day I have to work towards earning that amount. And it's already been a bit of a struggle to reach the goal that I want to be at. And it wasn't like I felt crazy stressed about it, but I was definitely aware of the fact that this week I'm going to make probably nothing or like $20 or whatever. And, and that's not going to cut it. And right. And I mean, I guess these are the times as a freelancer that, well, for one, I, I felt really lucky that I was able to just take a week and rest and, 
get better quicker, hopefully because of that. But also knowing that, you know, as a freelancer, I'm going to take a week off and this will probably result in a dip into savings to help cover expenses this month. If I'm not getting paid for a fourth of the month or whatever. And I don't know if we've talked about it on this show necessarily. I I honestly can't remember. I've had a lot of conversations ever since I took my business full time. People have lots of questions. And so I've had, I've had lots of conversations with lots of different people. But one thing that um, always comes up is, you know, for people who want to try to do what we're doing, which is taking your business full time, whatever it might be, there's this need for a runway. You know, I've, I've had people say like, well, you know, I, I just don't have the cash. Like I'd have to go out and raise some capital. And I'm like, you don't want to raise capital for a one person business. Like that's, I mean, I, I guess depending on what you want to do with it, you can do that. But, but for me, what sort of made it possible to take this thing full time was that mm-hmm. runway. And like you said, you used the word savings. Um, it, it, it's sort of all the same concept. It's like, look, if you come into this and you're already living paycheck to paycheck and then you think you can survive paycheck to paycheck as a freelancer or as a solopreneur and then you get sick for like a whole week, all of a sudden you're a paycheck behind. So you can't go into it, at least this is my opinion, or at least I wouldn't recommend that someone go into it like with no savings and living paycheck to paycheck and and quitting their job just because they hate their job and they want to be an entrepreneur. Um, I think there's real value mm-hmm. in building up a, a, a safety net and a, a buffer, a runway, savings, whatever you want to call it, so that when this does happen, you're not completely stressed out. Um because I've had the same thing happen where like some weeks or some months, yeah, we dip a little bit more into savings as we get this thing off the ground a little bit more. And eventually, hopefully we won't have to do that. Eventually it can be a little more consistent, but for now I need that buffer so that we're not, you know, going into, into the red in our finances. Yeah. I think that's a good point that it's nice to have something as a backup, no matter what. And in like full transparency, or I guess maybe just partial transparency my savings that I had before this was not huge. It was not like crazy significant. So I think also at the same time that if you are, if someone is um, wanting to make a switch over to being a freelancer or whatever, I definitely would agree with you. I wouldn't recommend people to do that without a little bit of savings, but it also doesn't have to be an insane amount. I think it's it's okay to, to go with just... A, Maybe this is hard to do without actual numbers, but that's the nature of it because people are going to be listening from different areas with different costs of living and everything. But you don't have to have a massive amount of savings, whether it's maybe a couple of months backup or runway. I don't know. What what do you think? Yeah, I you know, I think you can go too far for sure. And I hope this is taken the right way because I'm just trying to illustrate a point. I'm not trying to do anything besides that. But but when I lost my job and I had this side business, uh I sat down to finally figure out like, okay, is this finally the moment that I'm going to take this thing full time? And I did some math and I calculated up all of our savings and all of our investments. And, um, we had about, I'm trying to remember, I think it was like 14 to 16 months of runway at our current, like spending rate as a family. So if I didn't work, if I didn't do anything for 14 months, we would survive. Right. And, and, in that moment, I sort of felt stupid. Like, like that's almost too much. Like I should have taken the leap a long time ago if I had that kind of runway built up. And so I think, I think you're right. I think you can go too far to one side where like you don't have any savings or you're in debt and you just quit because you hate your job. 
Or you can go the other side where, which I, I think I went on this side, which was I was way too cautious. I was way too scared. I, I let my fear sort of rule that decision of, of taking my business full time. And so I agree. Your situation is different if you have a mortgage and a family of five versus maybe it's just you or just you and a partner or, or you know, depending on where you live in the world or depending yeah. on what debt you have. Like there's all these variables. So yeah, I don't think on the air we can say like you should have X amount of money saved up. But I think, yeah, find a, find a place where like you have a little bit of runway, but it's also like still a little bit scary. That feels like maybe the right mix to me. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It, it, it doesn't make sense for us to prescribe to anyone like a certain amount of months of savings to have because of all the, the factors that go into it. But one thing that it comes down to is, is how much I, I was kind of thinking of, of it in this way that the amount of savings you have is the amount of time you can afford for it to not be successful before you have to go look for a job again. So it's pretty much like how how confident are you that it's going to work? That's how right. bad would it be for you if it didn't work that's and right, you used yeah. up all your savings? For instance, if you have a mortgage, that's going to be a lot harder than if you're just renting or you have really low expenses because of your lifestyle or whatever. But basically it is how long do you want to give yourself an opportunity to see if it's going to work before you have to start looking for a job again? Yeah, I mean, there's there's the extreme options, right? There's like sell your house, downsize don't have a house, you know, live in an RV. Like there's all these sort of extreme options that you can keep your business going if you're not making money. But yeah, I think for me, the conversation was um, with my wife was here's how much money we have and here's how much money we spend every month. And so here's how long we have before we run out of money. And we don't want to get to the point where we run out of money before we start trying to find a job. So here's the amount in our savings that if it gets to, we will start looking for a job. (laughs) And so now my motivation is just don't let that number get like, don't get to the have to find another job number right now. My goal is just for now is just like keep at least keep us at the same runway level. Like if we can always keep 14 months ahead of us great. Right. And then that gives me a little bit of breathing room in my business to, to like make mistakes or, or pivot or whatever I need to do in order to, to build a strong foundation for the business so that I'm not just like struggling every week to figure out where the next dollar is going to come from. That sounds like a great way to do it. Have a, a cutoff point. Yeah. And I think, I mean, again, I'm overly cautious about this whole thing, admittedly, but, but that's kind of just how I have to do it. And I think everyone has their own thing and some people are more risk averse and some people are less. And I think you just have to do you and you have to, you have to figure out what the numbers look like for you. If you have a significant other in your life or a family, you have to figure it out with them and figure out what works. This whole conversation makes me think about though, there's a lot of freelancers in the Milo community who talk about um, pairing your freelance business or your services business with like products that you sell. Uh, You know, they, they use the term productizing your business where, and this makes a lot of sense for like designers. We have a ton of designers in the community or illustrators or whatever. It might be a little harder in what you're working on, Andy, but, but they talk a lot about uh, building a little bit more stability into your services business. So yes, you have clients that you're constantly churning and constantly doing work for them and finding new clients and letting other clients or, or, you know, sort of just parting ways with other clients. And it's this constant churn, but then there's like, you know, maybe you design some vectors or something and you sell them on like creative market or on one of these other marketplaces where you can 
bring in a little extra money every month that's a little more predictable. I don't know if there's, tell me a little bit more about like, is there, is there anything in your business, Andy, that could potentially one day become like uh, a little more passive in terms of your income or a little more predictable uh, in terms of your business revenue? Or do you sort of foresee for, for quite a while it, it's strictly being service-based? Uh, that's, a, that's a great thing to point out. I think earlier in the conversation I mentioned, I, I said, yeah, if you don't, if you don't work, you don't get paid. And that's true under the current setup that I have, but there are ways, um, like you mentioned for creatives and for, uh, I guess programmers of, of various stripes that they can do that as well. Um, the first thing that popped into my head was if you were to create, um, like a, like a Google sheet add on or a Gmail add on. Oftentimes, though, you can find those for free, but there are some premium ones out there. And the reason it popped into my head is because I was just working with a client recently and they said, oh, this thing, you made it. It was so helpful. I looked for so long to find an add-on that would do this. And I, I would totally pay 10 bucks a month for something like this. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I could just make this a bit more generic, what I've written for for this client, package it up as an add-on and and sell it as a, a service. And, and that right there would be potential recurring revenue. So a lot of the things that I'm writing for people are probably other people want to use them. And I just need to get it out there, uh, to make it available and to, I guess, publish it in a, in a cleaner or more generic sort of way. So there's that. And another thing that came to my mind was it, it I don't know if this is still considered like productizing, but if you were to write on a website about what it is you're doing. So I know I'm often looking things up on websites uh, for quick tips on a spreadsheet or on a scripting thing. I think a lot of people end up doing that as they're going through these projects. And so if you were to produce content that contained commonly asked questions about whatever it is you do with it, for me, it's spreadsheets and and scripting and whatnot, then you would be able to turn that into a revenue source either through ads on your website or maybe even that, but that might become a new source for clients. I think of one person that I follow that I've learned a lot from the content he produces. And he started out, I think, as a, or maybe not started out, but he was a he would do work for clients and do consulting and whatnot. But he has a a website with a lot of content on building really elaborate things in, in Google Sheets. And he's been able to use his website now to um, build an audience. And he's created a whole course on building dashboards and Google Sheets and various things. It's been a great resource for me and it's become a revenue model for him. And so he's, I think, started to depart, if not has left entirely his um, client work or now he can probably charge a premium for it because he's recognized and and respected as someone who really knows what they're doing because of that audience. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. Um, there are there are different levels, I think, of things you could do, right? Like like you said, there's work you're already doing. Maybe you build this uh, this um, like spreadsheet or, or this, I guess, sort of function inside of a spreadsheet. Here's, I'm going to show how little I know about what you actually do, Andy, but um, <laughs> you build, you build like, you build some sort of tool for someone. And then, and then he says, well, 
uh, I'd pay $10 a month for access to that tool that's, you know, constantly being updated and upgraded and, and adding new features and whatever, or maybe not even that, maybe just for the, for as it is, I'll pay $10 a month to, to have it. And, and if there's one guy, there's probably at least 50 or a hundred or a thousand other people who are looking for the same problem to be solved and would be willing to pay that as well. But like, you've already done the most of the work, like you're 90% there on having a product to release. If you can just do the extra 10%, then you have a little bit more predictable revenue or at least revenue that that's a little more, a little less labor intensive, right? You can just sell it without having to start over from scratch. And I think, like you said, in in terms of content marketing as well, like you can use your content marketing to sell any tier of what you're interested in. Like you said, you could, you could go all the way to like using your content to get clients or you could sell that $10 a month thing, or you could sell a one-off product for $50 (laughs) or, or you could do anything sort of on in the range of selling things. Like the world is your oyster a little bit when it terms to, in terms of getting like people to your content and then selling them things. And everyone wants a different solution. Like some people want their own like DIY install this plugin and run your own thing and learn about it. And some people are like, I don't have time to even think about this. Let me just hand it off to you. And that's when you can hire that or, you know, they can hire you and you can have them as a client. So I think it's important to recognize that like, you know, with work that you're already doing, there are, there are various kinds of people that want different things from the products that you're building. So I love that. Do you foresee yourself doing any of that in the near future? Um, I have been, thinking of it more lately, but I don't have any solid plans to do that specifically. Well, that's not true. I, I, I would like to do something along those lines. And I've thought about starting to publish on my own site when I come across especially useful things in what I'm doing to, to write up tutorials on them or some, something of that nature and publish it and see where it might go. It's not a major priority of mine. I think for the time being, my plan is to continue to freelance. I've got to a place where I'm charging a rate that I feel good about and that allows me to to work an amount of time that I enjoy. And I'm, I'm now kind of in a, you maybe could call it like in, in a safe place where now I'm comfortable with the security that other people are comfortable with the security of their jobs. And so it's hard for me to say, oh, I'm going to spend time going to go um, publish this on my site or to build a certain thing when I know that I could be making this other like set amount in my freelance jobs. And so I think the things that I do want to work on that are like that, that I do want to spend my unpaid time on are not so much related to what I do as a freelancer. So I do actually have, I do have plans or, or goals or dreams of being having more like entrepreneurial type ventures as well to go along with my, my freelancing, but they don't always fall in the same um, subject matter. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I've experienced that a little bit too. And it, it can be, um, it could be a hard decision. Like, do I spend time in this like niche or industry, this niche or industry where I've already established myself or do I start something completely outside of the ballpark? Um, that's really interesting. I, I let me, if I can, I, I'd like to share a couple uh, uh, thoughts I have on in terms of like, well, first of all, there's, there's this idea of like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I have, I have enough clients that every hour 
that I that I'm not billing clients, I'm basically not making money. And I remember hearing an analogy a long time ago um, about a, a coal train, like a like a steam engine train run on runs on coal, and and um, sometimes you know the the conductor or whoever I don't actually know who shovels the coal into the steam engine, but whoever's shoveling the coal, uh-huh. like like whoever's in charge of how the train runs, you are so busy shoveling coal that you can't stop and think, you know, what would make this train more efficient? Maybe it should be electric. Maybe it should be something else. If you're not careful, you can almost build this thing around you to where you have to shovel coal so quickly that uh, you can't stop to take the train off the tracks and put a better train on to go faster. And, um, and it's just, I've always, I've always just thought that's a really interesting analogy. And, and it, I think especially applies when you're like a one person or a business or like a small team, because you're just, you can get to the point where you're just like so overloaded with all the things you have to do that you can't stop. And especially this comes back to our runway conversation, especially if you don't have runway or buffer, you can't like take a step back and say like, maybe shoveling coal isn't the best way. And maybe I need to be doing this other thing, but I have to like take two weeks to like sort of restructure everything that I'm doing. If you don't have the luxury with that buffer, then you can't make those kinds of decisions. You're just sort of stuck doing, and I'm not saying Andy that you're in this situation necessarily, but I think freelancers can get in that situation if they, if they end up taking on too much work or getting too, sort of stuck in how they're doing things and then they see these other opportunities but they can't you know take their billable hours away because they're they're still like sort of living paycheck to paycheck without a, a, a nice buffer I don't know do you have any thoughts on that I like that that's a that's a cool story a good analogy it does definitely feel that way sometimes I think I somewhat equate that sort of feeling to actually when I was in a, a normal job, because I feel now that I have more time to think and to plan and and build things. And maybe this feels like I'm contradicting what I was saying earlier or whatever, but I would feel that way in a job because it, I would wake up early, I'd rush off to work, I'd come home, have dinner, and the day's feels like it's spent. And then I have to go to bed before too long because I have to wake up early. And I it felt like in that sort of lifestyle, for me anyway, I felt like I was shoveling the coal. And I imagine it could be even more so for other people who had more stressful jobs or who had longer commutes or whatever, where even more of their day is taken up, that it feels like you're constantly shoveling coal and you you don't have time to stop and think like, is this actually what I want to be doing with my time day after day? Or is there something else that I want to pursue? Are there other interests I want to develop or whatever? But now that I'm freelancing, for better or worse, if I want to just stop all of a sudden and take a few hours and, you know, have a cup of tea or read a book or whatever and just kind of think about things, then I do have that ability or that flexibility to do it. That does, of course, like you're saying, that immediately means that the train is not going to be moving forward because I'm not shoveling coal and I'm not billing hours. But maybe as a freelancer, you you have the ability, you have the privilege to to do that. But you also have to, I think, be okay with the train occasionally slowing down. Again, this may seem like contradictory to what I was saying earlier that I'm not taking the time now to build, like write all this content on my website because I'm too busy, you know, building projects for clients. And I don't know if these two like mindsets can exist together, but at least it it feels like they do. I do take the time to stop and think maybe it's just that these particular things we're talking about are not the things that I do when I take that time away and stop shoveling coal. Did all that make sense? 
Yeah, I think so. I I think it can definitely like <laughs> I think it can coexist. Those ideas can coexist. Okay. I, I guess what I'm getting at is like, and, and again, not that you're in this stage necessarily, but I've heard from a lot of freelancers that they didn't realize. And this, you can also find this, and we'll include this in the show notes. But you can also find this in the book called The E Myth Revisited. It's it's sort of the theme throughout this book, which is if you're not careful. You can quit your job and instead of building yourself a business, you can build yourself a job. And I think building yourself a job is the equivalent of like, I can't stop shoveling this coal. I have to Uh keep shoveling, keep shoveling, keep shoveling. I don't have the luxury of like saying what's best for me or the business or my lifestyle or whatever. I do think it's, it's great that you bring up the difference between sort of working for a company and feeling like you're shoveling coal versus working for yourself. It is funny that analogy. (laughs) Originally I heard when I was working at a company, I was bringing these ideas to my boss and he was saying like, look, I really like the ideas, but let me tell you how this company works. (laughs) Basically we're all so busy shoveling coal around here that we don't have time to take the train off the tracks and put a better train on. Uh, And um, I was like really frustrated by that. It was part of, it's part of the, mm -hmm. of the many, many things that have fueled my desire to work for myself because yeah, sometimes I do take the train off the track and I put on a better train or I try out a better train and realize it's not better. And then I put the old train back on. I don't want to take the analogy too far, but, um, but I think definitely if you're not careful, I think it's just something to be cautious about. It'll be interesting to watch, you know, over the next year, what happens in your business as a freelancer, you have to be careful as a freelancer to not build yourself just another job where you feel like, before where you had to report to a boss, now you just have to report to clients. And before, if you didn't come to work, you didn't get paid. Now, if you don't work for clients, you don't get paid. And like, there's there's a lot of correlations between freelancing and just working for someone else that if you're not careful, you might just find yourself, you know, a year or two later just with another job. And and no one wants that. I mean, the whole the whole reason people leave their jobs for freelancing is for the flexibility and for the, to, to, for the you know, um, lifestyle improvements and spending more time with the people you want to spend time with and doing more of the things you want to be doing. So, so I think, I guess, long story short, just, um, the moral of the story for me at least is like, just don't build yourself a job. Don't, don't shovel the coal so fast that you can't step back and say, is this really the best way to be doing things? That's a a great point. I, I totally agree. And sorry to wax <laughs> philosophical here a little bit. I, let me let me share one other example. I'm talking a lot this episode. This is supposed to be your show, Andy. I'm supposed to be gleaning oh, uh, information no. from you, but I you've you've sparked a lot of thoughts um, in me, which I appreciate. There's a a, a friend of mine. Uh, I use friend loosely. I guess we we just connected a little while ago, but he's been on on the web forever, and a lot of our audience will know um, about him. His name's Chris Spooner. He's a super talented guy um he's a designer blogger freelancer entrepreneur guy and he he actually started this comes back to your conversation about content he started a blog where he was just sharing like work that he was doing for clients and work that he was doing for this i think an agency that he worked for or something like that and he was just sharing his process like how to use illustrator how to do this in illustrator this in photoshop this and whatever and he was just sharing his process and now it's become this thing where he doesn't do client work anymore as far as i know he doesn't work for anyone else he just runs this mm-hmm. website where he has like we mentioned before premium content that he sells products that he sells advertising revenue all from this thing that started as just sort of documenting his process. So anyway, that's another option um, to come to come back to that thought about using content as a way to sort of build a little more predictability or, or passive income into your business. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think 
for a lot, it'll depend on the person, but probably for a lot of people out there, that would make a lot of sense to do. Like just to, I mean, you're already doing the work. It, it's not too much more to, to put it out there in some way, whether that's, you know, productizing or writing about it on a website. It, just because I, I said that maybe I'm not going to do that specifically for the same things that I do my freelancing for, probably for a lot of people, it would make, it would make perfect sense to keep doing that in that same particular yeah. industry or, or skill set and and see what comes of it because you don't know what's going to happen you don't know how it's going to grow I like that yeah and I think this podcast is maybe even an example like yeah. you and I probably wouldn't be hopping on the phone every week but my guess is like I was really interested in what you were doing in terms of leaving and starting freelancing full time my guess is we would have checked in every once in a while I know I've done that with some of my other friends since I've left my job and um you know, the, this is kind of a good example. Like we're just basically shooting the breeze and checking in every week. And hopefully it's interesting and helpful and valuable to people. But like, we're kind of just doing it anyway in hopes that, you know, it can, it can be, it can add value to the world. And ultimately like yeah. we can sell sponsorships against it. it. Ultimately becomes like a business asset for the both of us as well. But it's, but it's something we're kind of doing anyway. You know what I mean? And why not turn it into, yeah. why not do the extra 10% to turn it into a podcast instead of just a phone call, for example. So. Good. Well, any other thoughts this week? We're probably coming to a close here, but anything else exciting happening in the life of freelancing um, that we should know about? And in terms of freelance life, I'm I'm enjoying it. That's for sure. I think I've I'm very grateful for it this last week because I was able to to rest, yeah. and it's a time when I really want to be healthy. So thankfully, I was able to do that. Yeah, that's good. And your boss isn't calling you or you don't feel the pressure of like letting your coworkers down or yeah. anything like that. You can sort of choose when it's time to get back to work and, and when you need to rest. So yeah. that's awesome. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better and um, we will chat again soon. All right. Talk to you later. Okay. All right. See ya. Okay. All right. We'll see you next week. Before we jump off the air, show notes for this episode can be found at freelancelifepodcast.com slash six. And this episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. You can try their brand new proposals feature at freshbooks.com slash Andy. With FreshBooks, sending a professional proposal is incredibly fast and easy. Just upload your logo, include a few details about your pitch, and send it right from the platform. Plus, they'll notify you when your potential client has looked at the proposal, and they can include comments right there if they have any questions for you. It really streamlines the entire process. You can give it a test run at freshbooks.com Andy completely free. You'll get unrestricted access for 30 days. Just type A-N-D-Y in the How Did You Hear About Us section. My Freelance Life is a production of Milo.co. You can learn more about us at M-I-L-L-O.co, where you can listen to our other podcasts and check out lots of cool stuff we have there for you. The theme music for this show is a song by Joaquim Garud called Road Trip. And we will talk to you next week on episode seven of My Freelance Life. See ya.